I have two reasons to move away from the pulpit today. Primary reason is, and this is in the category of David's whining about his life, I have new glasses, a new prescription. Something is wrong with these new glasses. I can't see anything right about there. So I have a wonderful manuscript sitting over there on the, on the pulpit, and I can hardly see it. So I have to go in tomorrow and complain. The other is that I'd really rather be here than behind a pulpit. And lately, you may have noticed, I have been focused in my preparation very precisely upon song. The songs of our faith that have spoken to my heart and that seem to me anyway to be connected to the scripture at hand. Did that with you last week. Do it again this week. Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling, calling for you and for me. See on the portals he's waiting and watching watching for you and for me come home come home ye who are weary come home tenderly Jesus is calling calling oh sinner come phone call this week just as I sat down to my evening meal of diet appropriate food and the Chris Matthews show I haven't had a telemarketer call during dinner for a long time since we put our number on the do not call list but somehow this one snuck through and there I was being interrupted again in my evening meal by someone feigning Intimacy with me, familiarity with me. Pastor Gladstone, how are you this night? Well, I didn't know this person at all. Nor did I care for whatever product it was or opportunity it was that they were going to offer to me because I had no relationship with this person whatsoever. But their approach, as with all of these things that come to us, whether as a telephone call or over the airwaves is a kind of false intimacy. They immediately pretend to know me better when in fact 
they don't know me at all. Perhaps you've had that same kind of experience. We live in a world of false intimacy. It is a world that is tuned in to that basic human desire to be connected to one another and to, I would say, creation. And because the world in various forms understands that we have this need for connectedness and that we may feel as though that connectedness is a little weaker than we wish it to be, they, they know how to reach out and, and, and to hook us. appealing to our need for connectedness. Thus, this kind of false familiarity and false intimacy. You see it all the time on television. Take a, take a moment sometimes uh, uh, with youth groups. I'll ask them to keep a log for a week of the messages that they perceive to be transmitted to them as they watch television commercials. It's a great exercise. Television commercials reach out and they, and they ask the question, where are you feeling inadequate? Wherever it is that you feel inadequate, we have the product that will fill up that inadequacy for you. We have the product that will put you connected once again, that will make up for whatever deficiencies you may be feeling in your life. And they assume a kind of false familiarity, a false intimacy with me. You see it everywhere. My favorite is that woman walking through the airport and being recognized as the woman who can bring regularity back to your life. Would you ever stop to talk to a stranger in the airport about that kind of a thing? I think not. We live in a world that offers us a false intimacy, a false familiarity precisely because it knows that we crave it. We crave intimacy and closeness and connectedness. And so it's used against us. The truth of the world is, and I use this with youth groups as well, because, you know, youth, youth believe, especially junior high kids, junior high kids believe that everybody is watching every move they make and judging everything they decide to do. Whatever it is they decide to wear, or whatever it is they decide to, to, to say or to listen to, that others are watching and looking and judging. And my message to youth is, that is not what the world is doing at all. The tragedy of the world is that it doesn't care. Is that you can live your life and very few people care about what you do. It's not, it's not over-observation that we have. It is, it is a lack of caring that is the reality of the world. We live in a world, it seems to me, where we have reduced human encounter to a kind of legalistic contractual arrangement. And it has pushed out true common sense kind of connectedness with people. I remember a time 
A brief period in my life before Terry and I were married, just before we were married, I had a job on the line at the, at the Dearborn assembly plant for Ford Motor Company making Mustangs, Comets, and Mavericks. Now you know how long ago that was, right? And there was something wrong with one of the machines that night. There was a bolt that was loose and it was making my job really hard because the machine that I was working on didn't work precisely right. And so I thought, well, I need to tighten that bolt. So I took just a second and I reached over to tighten that bolt and boy did I get in trouble. I got in trouble because, you see, I had effected a repair on that machine and I was not authorized to effect a repair on that machine. I was told I had to wait for the repair crew to be notified and to come and fix that machine. And so I did. And we sat there for an hour waiting for that crew to come when it would have been so simple for me to just tighten that bolt and go on about my business, you see. But it wasn't in the contract. Now, I don't want you to go off onto a union bashing thing this morning. I fully agree with, with the right of collective bargaining and our need to sit down together and to talk about working conditions and all of that. But that particular experience struck me as, as an example of how our interaction with one another has changed. We don't relate to one another in an authentic connectedness way. We have learned to relate to one another in kind of contractual, defined ways. And in its place, the world offers us a false familiarity, a false intimacy that really is nothing at all, except that that false familiarity is used to get for, by others to get us to buy products we do not need and probably do not want. So contrast that with the message that is offered in not just the scripture that Bernie read for us this morning from the Gospel of John, but contrast that with the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. Contrast it with that. Think about the message of Jesus Christ who came into the world at a time when the power of Rome ruled over the world with an iron hand and when the religious leaders of the day were not as concerned about bringing hearts closer to God as they were with protecting their status and their position in a hierarchical authoritarian way. And in comes Jesus into the world with a message that is of love and connectedness. I've come to think that this is the genius. The genius of Christianity. The uniqueness of Christianity. Jesus was not a wise teacher from whom we can learn great truths. Jesus was, in our understanding, in fact, love. Come down. Embodied. God taken off a pedestal and placed squarely in the middle of our living room. 
Softly and tenderly Jesus is calling, calling to you and to me. See, from the portals he's waiting and watching, watching for you and for me. Every Christmas we're reminded of this. I know we've just come through Easter, but every Christmas we are reminded of this. We sing, love came down at Christmas. Love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas. Star and angel gave the sign. Jesus came into a hierarchical, iron-ruled world and said, the God I have come to reveal to you is both creator and intimate friend. That is the genius of Christianity. God is not something just grand and cosmic to be, to be honored. But God is in fact the power of close, divine intimacy in our lives, as opposed to the false intimacy offered by this world. My message to you this morning is not complicated at all. But it's right there in every scripture. We read 1 John, or we read, we read the Gospel of John, and we recited together the 23rd Psalm. But 1 John, the place in the Bible where it says God is love, also says this. We know love by this, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for one another. How does God's love abide in anyone who has the world's goods and sees a brother and sister in need and yet refuses to help? This is the uniqueness of Christianity. Yes, a God, a creator God, a cosmic God, a magnificently powerful, wondrous, awesome God. But also, a divinely close God, an intimate friend, personal, but not private, as Jim Wallace likes to say. A God who offers closeness to the divine and begs us, invites each one of us to make that connection in our lives. Come home, come home, ye who are weary, come home. tenderly Jesus is calling calling oh sinner come home
Thanks be to God.